our dice are as cold as space. Hello, and welcome to the Dice Like Ice podcast, episode 10. Fucking 10! I'm your host, Tony Acton, and with me, as always, the Casey Jones to my Raphael, Andrew Mitchell. Hey, I wear a cool hockey mask, but I'm not Jason. Yeah, and you don't have enough hair to really be him. Oh, no, no, I've never had that much hair. I've definitely got the attitude of Raph. <laughs> I don't know you if know, I have the attitude a of Casey, shitty attitude. But... What, which which Ninja Turtle would I be? There's, I don't know. I think you'd be... I should have gone with a Michelangelo to my Raphael. Yeah, I'd probably be Michelangelo. Yeah. I'm your host, Tony Acton. And with me, as always, the Michelangelo to my Raphael, Andrew Mitchell. There we go. I'm the, I'm the boring one. <laughs> what? Michelangelo's not boring? Oh, I'm thinking of Leonardo. Donatello. No, Donatello's the boring one. I'll be real. It's been like 25 years since I've watched Ninja Turtles. <laughs> Leonardo's got two swords. Michelangelo's the, uh, loves pizza and skateboarding. Donatello's the nerd. He's the boy. Okay, okay, that's the one I was thinking of. He does make cool shit. It's true. Yeah, he he focuses all of his cool in his gadgets. Yeah, and he also built the fucking shell mobile, which is pretty badass. It is and pretty the turtle good. Truck. Well, shockingly enough, uh, this podcast is not sponsored by Ninja Turtles or Nickelodeon. I think shell shockingly enough. But it is sponsored, as always, by Grip and Rip. If I can get the lid off. I believe in you. I did it. I done did it. What you drinking, Andrew? Oh, today we have a Deschutes Brewery Obsidian Stout out of Bend, Oregon. Oh, there you go. I'm going... 6.4. So not, not too bad, but also you can feel it a little bit. Nice. I am going with also the Oregon path. I'm going with Rogue Brewings Dead Guy Ale, which is uh, from Newport, Oregon, actually. Yeah, I've had uh, Rogue before. They're pretty solid. Yeah, yeah, I've had some of their brews. I haven't had this one, but the can looked cool, and I was like buying it. But, uh, you know, it's an IPA, of course, but it is a malty IPA. So it's supposed to taste of toffee and malt in a nice 6.8. Oh, a malty. I thought you said multi as in multiples. And I was like, what the hell is that supposed to be? <laughs> Holy shit, that's really good. Holy shit. I mean, toffee is pretty good. You get a lot of that in stouts. This one is supposed to have notes of espresso and dark chocolate, which I am definitely tasting the chocolate. It's not like it's not like a milkshake or anything, but it's, it's there. Dead Guy Ale is a Malbach-style ale with a robust malt profile and a sweetness that's balanced by the liberal use of bitter and hops. Paired well liberals with in our beer. asparagus, barbecue ribs, and pecan pie. <laughs> All three things I would not associate with Oregon. I mean, there's there's a lot of cattle out that direction. They could have barbecues. Ah, fair. I don't know about pecans. Yeah, the pecan pie one is the one that threw me. Like, eh, yeah, okay, cool. I'm sure their barbecue is some bizarre flavor and not actual barbecue. Yeah, it's made with fucking Ovaltine or something because they're the weird part of the country. It's like, <laughs> our, our barbecue is correct. And I'm like, no. No, no. it's not. We, uh, uh, we went to fucking Indiana with work one time and we ordered a barbecue and they brought us this weird ass like turkey barbecue with like this bizarre sauce on it, it was fucking awful and huh. one of the guys was like was like down home southern from south carolina he's like hey hey this this ain't barbecue 
This and here's a war like, crime against food. He was like, no, that's our barbecue. He's like, no, 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 it's your barbecue. It ain't barbecue. <laughs> you, you can slap the sticker on it. That doesn't make it barbecue. <laughs> there you go. I will go ahead and say, I'm overall pretty barbecue agnostic. Like, if it's a good slow-cooked meat with some really tasty sauce, I'll eat it. But, you know, that's also a fucking capital offense to certain people. So, Well, so, barbecue's got to be slow-roasted. Yeah. Uh, the, the braised is okay, but it's got to be done over a smoker. You got to have that that nice that nice bark yep. on it. But here's the real question, Andrew: mm. What's your sauce type? Are you more the Carolina style with the uh, the mustard? Do you like your traditional ketchup based? Are you a weird Alabama motherfucker with their strange mayonnaise sauces? Or do you prefer <laughs> a vinegar sauce? Um, if I have to choose, I'm either going vinegar or like a, a thicker, sweeter sauce. Um, yeah, okay. But like well, I said, one of the I tomato based. Yeah, like I said, I will eat any of them, even that weird Alabama shit. That is far down the totem pole of what I yeah. want. But uh, I, again, I'm I, I smoked meats and sauces are all usually pretty good unless you really manage to fuck one of them up. I will say a really nicely done Carolina gold sauce is fantastic. Yeah, no, I mean barbecue is barbecue. If you do it well, it's good. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Next time, uh, next time, pops cracks out the smoker. I'll have to get you some of his. Fair enough. Because he's got but, a big toe behind smoker that does like twenty fucking butts on it. It's crazy. Oh, that's how you do it. You gotta oh, yeah. you gotta get the the smoker that has been in use for like seventy five years yeah. and has just kind of built in flavor in it. It's great because like if you walk by it in the summer, it smells like barbecue because it's just marinated in itself. <laughs> it's like, ne- never gets hot the, enough to properly burn off the smell. Yeah, like like the uh, the sun will hit it and you're just like, <sighs> you get the right. Uh, a halo of light behind it at the oh, sunlight yeah. and you just hear the angelic chorus <laughs> uh so andrew i know it's been about uh it's been about a month since we recorded last actually because you know holidays and work and all that yeah. crazy Computer. crazy fun stuff computers yeah. exploding and <laughs> wildcat destabilization of the reactor core yeah but yeah. hey you, you can't hear the little fan thing right oh i bet that was what that uh that feedback i was getting was well, I can't hear it on my end, and that will okay. get edited out in the podcast post, yes, so will. we're good. So, yeah, Andrew, uh, what uh, what hobby progress have you got? I'm going to lean back and drink on my beer. I was going to say, you... buckle up. It's It's been a little over <laughs> a month. you so. us for a fucking hour and a half. <clears throat> so, uh, other than basing, of course, I did finish painting my 20 orc boys, um, as I said in the previous podcast. Skipped a whole bunch of steps, only did one highlight layer. A uh, little bit of um, weathering on the guns, but I didn't go full with, you know, doing the rust effects or anything like that. It's just yeah. they, they look solid for baseline troops. It's all I'm leaving them at. So 20 Orc Boys done. Um, I finished building and priming the starter set for Titanicus. Uh, left all the armor panels off, uh, magnetized all of the arms, uh, left the heads off for ease of painting. Just, uh, it's it's enough to be blue tacked together for a game, which we will talk about later. Mm-hmm. Um I did go ahead and build and prime Bellicor. I picked one up because the model is amazing, and I absolutely just wanted to have one for general Dungeons & Dragons use. Who knows? Maybe I'll end up using him in an Age of Sigmar 40k army at some point. I can't speak the future. Uh, but he is built and primed. He's going to be my pull-the-ripcord. I need something the hell else to paint model for when I'm down another 40 orc boys. So <laughs> that was a fun one. Uh went together pretty easily. It's a pretty solid kit. The only uh, little fiddly details were his ch- uh, chains that goes on his wings, um, but I left those off. They're going to get glued on later just to make 
painting easier. Uh, I feel after like that, for the most part, the new mm. GW kits are really solid. They're a little bit more monopose, mm. but they're they're so well detailed, and you can always chop and swap some stuff here and there to kind of make them stand out. Yeah, for sure. But uh, he comes with a few options. He has a closed mouth option. He has a screaming option, and then he has a screaming option with his tongue coming out. And of course, I went full Gene Simmons on that. Oh yeah, you gotta you gotta do the fucking tongue. Just blah, 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 blah. And he has a couple of arm options. So he has his right hand is his sword arm. So that's that's monopose. That's uh, always kind of being held down at about waist level, looking all imposing and smoky and cool. Uh, but his left hand, you could make either kind of like doing kind of like a fist sort of thing where he's, you know, I'll get you next time, G.I. Joe kind of thing. Or uh, he has a, a couple of like pointing options with his hand. I went for one of the pointing ones because I thought that was kind of cool. Um, the base comes with either a... Um, Chaos Warrior from Age of Sigmar, or a Primaris Lieutenant for 40k. I actually chose neither, because I don't really feel like those necessarily need to be on the base, and it's built in such a way that they can easily be left off, so that was nice. Um, I will probably end up using the Primaris Lieutenant for uh, Orc basing at some point. If I yeah. build another custom boss or something, all I gotta do is just snip off the the magic smoke. Or I could just use it as smoke and have somebody with a flamer over him. That could be cool, too. Um, so a lot of, a lot of good or bits over, in that uh, on the base of a weird boy. Or uh, a kill rig. It'd be good on a kill rig's base. Yeah, there's, there's lots of good options here. So he's he's going to get used at some point. Same with the Chaos one. Um, that might get, uh, I don't know, Fungoid Cave Shaman standing on him or something for my gits or uh, yeah. something cool for my cruel Motion boys. with a troll. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, hmm. After that, I, uh, from based all the way to done i finished uh swamp boss scum drek for my cruel boys because i i wanted a different flavor of green skin for a bit um that's the one that has the really cool uh like sort of weird lanky crocodile monster with all of the uh, uh gibbets and stuff hanging off of its back and the orc on top of it like very lord of the ringsy with his uh man catcher and he's got like a, a bladed gauntlet it's a really fantastic model um that was a super fun kit based it went with a cool swampy base as i do um, after that, I, uh, was able to, over the course of literally an entire week, this was my, my week after Christmas, I had, I just sat down and painted start to finish Gobsbrack, the mouth of Mork for the Cruel Boys. Beautiful. And, uh, Absolutely beautiful job you did on him too, man. Oh, thank you. It took so fucking long. Do you want to know how long those wings took? Uh, I'm going to say at least three days. Uh, the entirety of the extended Lord of the Rings collection. Oh, so only like, what, 37 hours? That's not bad. Uh, I think it's like 14 and a half or something, because I started like t 10 minutes before, and I was like, oh, they have the extended Lord of the Rings on HBO. Don't have to pull out the Blu-rays. Cool. So watch that. I watched through Fellowship and Half of Two Towers, went to bed, woke up the next day, finished Two Towers, watched through Return of the King, and like like five minutes after Return of the King was done, I finished The Wings. And then I did everything else on the model. <laughs> and there's a lot of details. The little, uh, the howdah that's on the back that has gobsprack of, mm -hmm. uh, on the back of the big vulture. It's got... Uh, tons of trophies. He has like an eyeball bouquet. He's got his uh, little uh, goblin friend hanging out with like a, a mandrake uh, root that has its own face and eyes and stuff to paint. Uh, there's like pots and pans, all kinds of spikes. He has tons of trophies. If you look on top of the uh, the back banner on the howdah, there's um, a severed wizard's head and his hands doing like warding poses because his whole shtick is he... Uh, tells wizards hey stop doing that and like does feedback and makes them do uh mortal wound damage so there's just tons and tons and tons of little little tiny details like that all over it so i took an that, entire week and finished that, him. 
that whole model is it's a diorama like it's it's fantastic but oh, seriously huge. listeners if uh if you don't follow andrew on instagram or our podcast on instagram at least go to it and check out this model he's done like it is awesome that is like, andrew does good stuff and this to me is far and above everything he's done and that's saying something well, it's a lot really, on his painting pretty heavily is a really big kit and really finely detailed and i was like all right i have the time off i've got nothing going on it's christmas break everybody else is visiting family and whatnot i'm just going to sit down and i'm just going to paint this and i'm going to try pretty much my absolute best skipped a couple of small details because after a certain point your eyes just start to go crossed but i did try very hard on this model so if you'd like to see that that is the brush goblin on instagram uh (laughs) after that (laughs) i fully painted gonna need another beer yeah fully painted and based uh six squig hog riders and the two bomb squigs that came with the kits um i had previously finished the knobs on smashes squigs uh that was also another fun one i really liked painting the orc skin or the uh, uh squig skin i have kind of a darker red sort of standard squig skin from age of sigmar but for my uh, 40k orcs i went with a lot more like bright orangey kind of skin um so that like the, the highest highlight on them is fire dragon bright which is a very almost yellowy kind of uh, orange so they're they're pretty bright and then standard uh death skulls blue on all my orcs and then the goblins hanging off their belts are super fun so those are just very characterful kits like them a lot love the squig that has a motorcycle wheel instead of back legs mm-hmm. um do 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 after that uh back into titanicus uh my christmas gift to myself this year even though we barely know the rules of it and barely have any legions started i picked up a uh, war master iconoclast for the traders which is uh, the big one that has the drill hand and the chain sword that's the size of a skyscraper uh built and magnetized that uh haven't even gotten a chance to prime him it's been too cold and humid here so he's uh, he's well on the back burner i'm gonna paint a lot of other titanicus stuff before i get to him at all and then and then finally my last thing i uh built f- 40 models for my cador slash cador redemptionist gang That's for necromunda crazy. uh and then i also fully painted my starter gang which is eight mo- minis uh three of which are redemptionists and the rest are basic cador um, and then i have uh, actually tonight i went ahead and almost finished painting up the rest of the bases because it's all the necromunda metal bases and i wanted to have them done and then glue the guys on top and just paint on top of them so it'd be easier to hold with the painting handle but uh yeah i got a i got a lot of necromunda in my future now and uh, <laughs> uh that marathon uh speaking session is the end of all of my hobby progress how about you tony what'd you get done over this long break uh well it was a long break for you it was a uh, just absurd amount of working for me so i didn't get nearly as much as you done uh i did get the titanicus start set built primed and washed with uh with known oil which is a shitload of known oil it takes to wash that many titans uh, also got a warbringer nemesis titan got him built uh put together primed and washed and uh Andrew got jealous, so he had to buy his Iconoclast because he saw how big my chonky Warlord Titan was. Or, uh, sorry, not Warlord, what is it? Uh, War Warmaster. Master. So many wars. Warbringer, Warmaster. My Warmaster Titan with his cool-ass Caesarean Plasma Destructor arrays was. So he had to, he had to get on that and get the evil version. Yep. Uh, then let's see. I put a little bit more paint on some Templars, just laying down white because that, that kills me doing white or... What is it? Gray or bone over gray. 
know, gray over bone and then white over the gray. So I can't really just sit down and do that for a long amount of time because it drives me absolutely insane. I, so I did you know, uh, part my, of a squad. My my redemptionists are white, and I can say that uh, everybody that bitches about yellow is wrong. White is the hardest color to paint. White sucks. I hate painting I, white. It's so hard I, not to get it, like, chalky looking. Mm-hmm. The, the pro tip that I found is use um, uh, Wraith, Wraith Bone, I think it's called, the the contrast base paint. Hmm. Uh, put that down. I do it over black primer. Put that down, like two or three thin coats, like super thin coats of that. And then I'll do like one or two really thin coats of, um, uh, what is it? It's the really light gray. Uh, um, Celestra? Celestra? Yeah, yeah, Celestra, Celestrium, Celestarium, whatever the hell it is. That gray. And then I use the White Scar Air Paint because it's already thinned. And I just thin it down a little bit more and I just build up layer after 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 layer. Yeah, that is definitely. After layer. And then it's white. That is definitely what it feels like. I went slightly different. I started with a base coated white with primer and then I did a skeleton horde the contrast color mm, to get kind yeah, of a bone yeah. color and then i built up from there with ushabti screaming skull pallid witch flesh and then white scar on top of that to give it kind of that like cream like depth color to it uh which yeah. i think came across fairly well but it's just a lot of effort to make robes that look white it's oh I, i'm probably going to skip a few of those steps on my next guys considering i have uh 32 cawdor left although uh, a decent chunk of them are going to be my for my devout masses special rule and i'm just going to yeah, paint your, them as the basic masses yeah i'm going to paint them as the basic like blue green cawdor color scheme just to to not have to worry about painting white and so that way visually you can tell which ones are my actual gangers and which ours are my are my, my, my freebies that i get for their dumb rule yeah, and then uh, then to keep it with our year of the specialist game, I built out what is that like sixteen give or take Escher of various types. I uh, got my start gang fully painted and based. Already got one of them killed. That was super fun. Yeah. Uh, just built a couple of Gene Stealer cultists for when my Escher gang inevitably dies. I'm going to come back as Gene Stealer cult. Picked up the book of the outcast. And uh, some of the outcast gangers and their cards. So when my gene stealer cult dies, I'll come back with them because I'm bad at dice, folks. <laughs> Holy crap! There have been some uh, rough rolls already, and we'll oh get to that. Oh my god, haven't there though? Uh, and then here's a fun little twist, Andrew. I primed a whole bunch of Lord of the Rings strategy battle or Middle Earth strategy battle game orcs. Well, hey, because <laughs> I had I had some space left on a priming stick, and they were close at hand, and I wanted to play around with those and got a D&D campaign I'm in, I'm like, fuck it. Uh, which orcs in particular? There's a few flavors. Uh, the, the Morador orcs. The Mordorks, if you will. Okay, I like the Mordorks. They're fun. Mordorks are cool, yeah. I've got... Somehow I ended up with an absolutely comical amount of Morador orcs. Like, two of the start sets worth, plus some of the riders, plus like eight trolls and a troll chieftain. Oh, nice. And... Yeah, we got really into it about a year and a half ago. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. Yeah, it was didn't, great. Uh, didn't you go um, the Raiders? The, the I went, yes, I went Corsairs? the Corsairs of Umbar first. That was it. Um, which I was like, oh, these guys look super cool. They're like C-rating Vikings, and I bought into them. And then, like, they're super, well, at least they were. I don't know if they are anymore. They were super overpowered and like, the meta choice at the time. And I was like, oh, well, that's not very me. What's something that sucks? <laughs> 
here we go, mass orc hordes. Oh, uh, yep. <laughs> you, you you chose the Andrew route, which is yeah, paint way too many goddamn models. Yeah, yeah but I'm, I'm going with the way more, like, yellowy, like, ochre and yellow skin tones on them. Yeah, and the Mordor orcs in the movies had a pretty wide range of skin tones, so you, you, yeah. could, go, you could go a little crazy with it if you wanted to. Yeah. Oh, and I also oh, shit. And I also yeah, I dropped my phone. I also um, just on a whim bought a water elemental miniature out of like the the Reaper minis and got it painted up. So that's yeah. cool. I've I've done yeah. that before. There, oh, yeah. it's pretty fun and easy to do. Yeah, it's it's it was a quick like you know hour paint job, and I was like, oh, that ended up cool. And I kept it. I did it entirely with the uh, inks and contrasts. Nice. With just a very very light light dry brush on it, so it still looks like it's you know water and clear and see through and stuff. Yeah. Uh, there's a, a lot of the, the <laughs> a lot of the the clear resin elementals are fun. We mm-hmm. my one of my friends got a. Um, uh, I think it's from the Magic the Gathering line of minis, because yeah. Wizards of the Coast owns everything. But yes, uh, they, they have a, a fire, like a, a, a gigantic fire elemental or something. Yeah. And it, it's kind of got the shape of like a, uh, like a mostly nude lady, to be honest. But it's got horns, so I painted that up for a buddy. And uh, that was really fun. I like doing that one a lot. There's yeah, a, um... a lot of depth to that model. Oh, there it's... Oh, I can't remember what it's called. Yeah, it's it's based it's Chandra's specific fire elemental thing. Yeah, it's got like big big horns and stuff. Yeah, it's really good card. But that doesn't shock me. I my to, my other group is finally getting out of magic, which means I can sell all my cards to feed my specialist games addiction. Oh, nice! So I'm really happy about that because the only reason I play magic was for those guys. So. I have uh, twenty dollars of uh, goblin red deck that I built specifically to fuck with some of my nice. friends' uh, green and blue decks that were way too ridiculous. And mm-hmm. nothing is more hilarious than a person who spent several thousand dollars in about a decade worth of time playing magic and me go, "Here's forty one one idiots yep. go in." That's exactly <laughs> what I do. I, I, I'm going to keep that deck, and then one of the other decks that I put a lot of effort into. It's so, but the rest of them, I'm just fucking flipping. Like I, I know, you know, now that they know what my deck can do, they can build a deck to beat me in like five yeah. seconds because they've got the time and the experience. But it was just really <laughs> funny seeing their faces to be like, "You wiped out my Hydra deck in three turns." This thing, I've, I've gotten ten thousand points of damage on this deck before, and I'm like, "Uh huh, uh huh," and I killed you with a bunch of idiots with spoons. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, and then the other hobby. Oh. Ooh, don't snap into a microphone. That fucking spazzes it out hard with a pop filter. Mm. <laughs> uh, the other hobby progress I get is after replacing almost every part of my 3D printer, it is up and running. Huzzah. So I printed a bunch of uh, Titanicus terrain, including a wee little baby Lehman Russ. And uh, also, Andrew, I found uh, the files for a bunch of Battlefleet Gothic ships. So Ooh. Ooh, I printed dangerous. a couple of those. <laughs> Because you're the specialist game, baby! Tony's money is going to jugs of resin this year. I literally... Okay, so here's the thing. Amazon was running a sale on Sunday. Ooh, danger zone. Yeah, it was. The normally $37 bottles of resin I buy were $25, so I picked up a pair of those. So I've got uh, two more liters of resin, and the real question is, am I going to print BFG stuff, or am I going to print a Warhound Titan? Hmm. Only time will tell. And when he says Warhound Titan, he means the big-sized one, not the Titanicus-sized one, because he's a but, crazy person. But my goal by the end of the year is to have a Forge World legitimate one, so I don't know if I'll print one. You could print one and then eventually get your Forge World legitimate one and I compare could. and contrast the STL file. 
Yeah, right. Also, also, we oh. did get some feedback last episode about how uh, we were too down on 3D printing. And we like 3D printing. We both own 3D printers. Oh, we yeah. just think, in general, they're not up to snuff with like a GW-style model. Although, I have seen resin prints that are very close in terms of general quality. Yeah, there's some, there's some pretty good ones. There are some good ones out there. So we are not against 3D printing. Yeah. We just think yeah. it's not viable for the public. <laughs> right. Um... Oddly enough, when I was editing the last episode, I realized this. We were talking about these two Legios for our Titans that we were super into. Uh-huh. Turns out, neither one of us are actually doing those Legios. Nope. But what are you doing for yours, Tony? <laughs> well, I'm doing the Fire Wasps, which have a super-duper cool, uh, like, fading red-yellow-orange scheme on them with a... Not going to be fun to do hex grid pattern on them. What about you, Andrew? Are you still sticking with the gore crows? Nope. <laughs> I'm doing the murder lords. <laughs> ah, of course. The murder lords. Who, they're, they're, they have a pretty simple paint scheme, but it looks really striking. It's uh, black and red, and like the edge is all red, but they also have like fire effects going up their leg plating and on some of their armor plates, which is really funny because I'm actually doing that same kind of fire effect on the robes of my Cawdor Redemptionists, so I'm getting practice in before I actually paint my Titanicus stuff. Yeah, I really do like that we, we picked these legions, and they have almost opposite color schemes. Uh, mine is primarily the reds, oranges, and yellows of flames, with black as the accent and the background color, and yours is the opposite of that. Mine is, mine's black so, and red, baby. Exactly. So mine's red and black. It'll be it'll be a good striking uh, striking fight. Yep, I'm excited to get them on the board. Um, just depending on how many uh, Necromunda mooks I can paint before yeah. I start to go crazy, uh, I might take a small Titanicus break and paint up a couple of my Warhounds, but we'll, we'll, we'll see. I'm going to try and plow through as many of my Cawdors as I can. Yeah, I got my green stuff world order in, so I got my stencil for my airbrush and all the other uh, colors I was going to use on the plates. So now it's just uh, getting the confidence to give it a shot, I guess. I'll and probably mess around on just some like cardboard or something. I was about to say, I would definitely practice that yeah. on some, st- yeah. some, some, some cardboard. or. No, nah, or... I'm just going to YOLO. Oh, that's right. I actually have almost all the way painted two of my night my two night titans my little ones for titanicus yeah with your uh, top gun color scheme yeah exactly instead of doing a themed household i wanted to just play around with a bunch of colors and seeing as how i'm an asshole who loves puns and dumb jokes i was like free blades are cool but what can i do them as top gun <laughs> so my first two are sundown and merlin which is the uh, the white and red helmet and the purple and yellow helmet I'd, and then, uh, you know, I'd, from there, I'll just keep keep working my way through helmets for my free blades. You just eventually got to get to my favorite one, so every time he dies, you can go, Goose! Goose! <laughs> I don't know, man. I do really enjoy having sundown, so I can go, you're going to do what? Over and over <laughs> again. I need to watch Top Gun. I have you do seen need to watch Top Gun. I have seen it before, so don't don't write me for that. Unlike but I need to... Varsity Blues. Yeah, we had that discussion before we recorded. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, but I need to watch Top Gun again because it's been at least 10 years, so I need to refresh all of these uh, these jokes before they start getting thrown at me every time we play <laughs> Titanicus. Yup. Yeah, see, Top Gun is kind of like The Thing and a few other movies with me where I have to watch them at least once a year. No, the thing I end up watching like four times a year, so well, I'm, yeah, but I'm there with thing fair. references. Yeah, all right, cool, 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 cool. Um, Starship Troopers is another one that I tend to do at least every six months to a year. Come on, you apes, you want to live forever? <laughs> what good's a knife in a nuke fight? Observe. 
His hand can no longer move. <laughs> if your enemy cannot move their hand, they cannot push a button. <laughs> oh, oh, fucking man. Clancy Brown as the drill sergeant is such a good choice. <laughs> what about Busey as Ace? What about uh, uh, Neil Patrick Carrick as fucking Doogie Himmler? Oh my god, yeah, that was fantastic. <laughs> such a silly choice. Uh, seeing him in a fucking SS officer's uniform at the end is what? still one of the funniest things out of the 90s. <laughs> oh man. Uh, so uh, our Games Played segment this week is going to be kind of weird because uh, all month, with one exception, every game we played was against each other. Yeah. So Andrew, you want to take, uh, take us through a couple of them? I'll take us through a couple of them? Oh, uh, sure. So um, keeping in line with my uh, my uh, New Year's resolution from last episode, uh, 2022 is the year of the Specialist game. And yep. so far, I think Tony and I have only played Specialist yeah. games so far. 100% Specialist games right now. So we started Great. off uh, over uh, my Christmas break. Tony had a few days off as well, so we were able to do that. Uh, we didn't actually end up doing our Beer Bowl day like we said no. we would in the last episode. but yeah. we, will, we will, though. We will, we will have to... Day have to come back to that it's i still look have... when the choices are between football hooligans hooligans and big ass stompy mechs big ass stompy mechs are going to win 9999 out of a thousand times he's not wrong although i do definitely want to play blitz and blood bowl soon i, I do as well i'm actually going to be playing blitz bowl next weekend at the geek end so oh yeah you're doing your your yep, yep. up in the cabin weekend my with... my week hiatus yeah yeah so that'll be super fun oh, um but so we we I both... got Carthage arrived in the mail yesterday as well. So oh, that's I read such a good board game. It looks so good. It's super fun. I, I need more people to play it with. Yeah, I was like the second when you were like, yeah, I played it. And then we got back, I bought it. And I'm like, boy, if that's not a, if that's not an endorsement, I don't know what is. I haven't sat down and bought mini board games lately. Most yeah. of my my disposable money for that goes to Warhammer shit at this point. So after as I played should. a board game and went, ah. Oh, I have to own this. That's a good sign. So Carthage, if any of you guys are interested, very fun mini combat slash deck building game. But anyway, uh, so we cracked open my starter set because yours hadn't gotten here yet because we played before yep. Christmas, which is when you got yours. Uh, and we just split it in half. We had a Reaver or Warhound and a Knight each. Knights are advanced rules, but whatever. Uh, we just play with the basic rules because there is a pretty good bit of stuff to learn in this one. It's pretty different from like a 40k other than basic like weapon skill, ballistic skill, etc., etc. Yeah, we're um, what, six games in, I think? Five and or six, we, yeah. Yeah, we've just started using the advanced rules and haven't touched Legio rules or stratagems yet. Yeah. Which I think that's a really good way to learn and get a handle on everything. Well, and they even tell you to do that in the rule book because mm. it, it's there's a lot of stuff you have to deal with. So, like, the main thing you have to deal with in Titanicus is uh, dealing with your reactors and dealing with yeah. parts on your mechs getting crippled. So... Uh, you can you can do like cold shots and stuff and say hey I'm gonna fuck up your guy's head or whatever. But most of the time you roll on a scatter die and it tells you what part you hit. Uh, after you get through void shields, which are impenetrable, but if you do enough damage, they'll eventually get stripped away. I don't uh, know, man. I didn't have problems getting through your void shields. God, we'll get to that. Um, <laughs> So you have to deal with uh, repairing your mech once it gets damaged. You have to go Titan. with... It's not incorrect. I mean, it's still a mech. Uh, you have to deal with repairing your Titanicus Titan. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Get my laser sword out and piloted your by... Your Veritech fighter? Piloted by angsty Japanese teenagers. Uh, what, are, what are the suits called in Evangelion? I haven't seen Evangelion, so I don't know. Eh, you're not really missing much. That's right, re listener readers. That's right, listeners. Fuck Neon Genesis. I hated it. I thought it was stupid. I Come have, at me. I have heard mixed things, and when I hear mixed things, I tend to not give a shit. 
But anyway, uh, so yeah, dealing with your reactors, dealing with repairs, dealing with uh, power management. It's it's a very interesting system, and so far it's facings really... Facings are also super Yeah, important. facings are huge. If your guns aren't facing the right way, you can't shoot. If someone gets behind you, they have a way better chance of doing damage. So, like, melee, fast melee units are really good at doing damage. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a really interesting system, and from the... What we played two games with just doing a half of the starter set each. Yeah, just doing half of the starter set. And then you got your box in, and we played two yep. games with that. Yeah, and, and then, then we played another fifth game day before yesterday with it as well. Yeah, and that's when we were starting to do advanced rules. Right, which changed the game up significantly. Pretty drastically, because you can start giving orders to your titans, and you can yes. say, hey, full speed ahead, and they do like a charge attack, and they can't turn during that, or you can do uh, first and fire. half the time they go, fuck you, I'm not going to listen to you, you're not my real dad. Yeah, because when you tell them to do orders, you have to roll, and sometimes you awaken the machine spirit, and your titan says, hey, no, you go to hell, I want to charge forward and hit them with my hitting stick. And you go, well, I guess that's happening now. <laughs> <laughs> So that was really fun. It's a really interesting system. I, I highly recommend that uh, all the listeners look into it. It is super fun. Um, it's not the cheapest. I will go ahead and say that. Once you actually yeah. get a full Legion together, it's about the same price as a 40K army. But, uh, I, I would say it's cheaper to get into than 40K. You can get the start set for about 130 and really, that's we've gotten five great games out of just yeah, no, the that's, start set. Yeah, that's definitely true. You don't. It's not as necessary to build up a huge force like it is in 40k or Age of Sigmar. Like, you need to get at least a thousand points worth of models to really have a solid game in either of those systems. Most people want to play up to 1,500 or 2,000, so it's that's a pretty significant investment unless you get really lucky with Facebook selling groups or eBay or whatever. So, uh, but if you have a friend who has the exact same starter set it's a really good really good fight however yeah. you are missing a lot of titans such as our ridiculous war master titans uh yeah, warlords the, Lords, the nemesis, nemesis the side guy if you want to oh, pay the, the yeah. extra money for forge world resins so you know it's all of the other different types of night titans the acastus night Titan. tons of knights ton like every yeah. night you've seen on forge world every night you've seen in plastic they're all available in titanicus they all have different weapons in titanicus like yeah, it, you can get so really in depth with Titanicus is what we're learning, but uh, super super fun. Yeah, so instead of us going through five games of Titanicus where we ran identical forces, uh, any because we, we pretty much went like I win, you win, I win, you win, I win, you win. It was pretty forth. back and like, forth. It was yeah, very it was pretty even. back and forth, and it didn't matter what weapon loadouts we had. It was still a fairly even game. Yeah. Do you have any uh, favorite favorite dumb memories or experiences uh, in any of the games? Well, the only one coming to mind immediately is our most recent match where uh, <laughs> you did win. It wasn't a dumpstering though. It was very close no, right up until the end. It was very close. We haven't really had a dumpstering. Yeah, there was no dumpstering. It's like like we said, as long as you're not playing like an idiot, it's it's pretty even so far. But again, we're also not getting into mana pools and building armies right. and stuff yet because we only have so many models right now. But um, yeah, my favorite recent moment was uh, you killed one of my Reaver Titans with a knight by poking him in the ass because it was <laughs> too close for my, my, my Reaver to really do anything at that moment. Uh, and you were out of my arc, so I couldn't kick you away like a, like a fucking terrier. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then you manage to kill him, and we're rolling on the tart to see if he explodes, and we're like, shit, he doesn't explode. What happens? Oh, he falls down after shooting his guns wildly, and then crushes your knight to death. <laughs> turns in a random direction, shoots, and falls down. So he turned directly at my knight, unloaded a volcano cannon into him, and then fell on top of him. Yep, and <laughs> just rested right there. Uh, we did have... Uh, one really good explosion previously. I honestly forget whose Titan oh, yeah. went up, but it ended up uh, taking it out. Was, 
it was my reaver. You shot it with the warhound in the back. That was it because it you like, had the reaver it, with the chain fist that you were trying to get into my reaver, and we yeah, blew him it, up. It detonated and killed your warhound, my reaver, and I think one of the knights, right? And yeah. like crippled the other reaver. Like, oh yeah, it was he absurd. he took out like half the match in that explosion oh, yeah. because it was like two d six explosion or no, a yeah. d ten explosion. D ten explosion, yeah. Uh, and then what was it? I exploded your munitions. I think it was. Uh, yeah, I think it was like a critical reactor failure or something. Yeah, so his Titan went up like a like a nuclear fireball, and it was hysterical. It's always it's it's one of those games where no matter if you're losing or winning, it's, it's always fun. funny when something happens. Yeah, when a Titan dies, like there hasn't been like a feel bad. The only even remotely feel badsy Titan death moment was when my two knights ran behind your Reaver and stabbed it to death, and then they were immediately crushed by the Reaver in response when it fell. Yeah, where I was, I was at that point where I'm like, "Am I going to get salty about this?" And then he fell and crushed them, and I was like, "No, I'm not going to get salty about this." <laughs> my uh, my favorite memories so far have either been when you ran inside of my void shield range and unloaded with dual plasma blast guns into me. Oh yeah, point blank your guy in the ass. <laughs> that was awesome. Or when you were like, ha, I'm going to activate my knight to kill your reaver before he can shoot my reaver. And then I still got to shoot your reaver because in death I did wildfire and what criticaled its body you, and its head and then took, fell and crippled, criticaled its legs. Because what was it? You had a Gatling blaster and a volcano cannon and <laughs> Gatling an Gatling blaster, launcher. a volcano cannon and a missile launcher. Yeah. yeah, so my almost entirely unscathed reaver who had, what was it? He had a Gatling blaster and a melt-a-gun as well. Yeah, uh, he lost all of his voids to my missiles while yep. Fired at you. Uh, the Gatling blaster absolutely ripped to shreds his torso, and then the volcano cannon almost blew its head entirely off. Yep. And then my Titan stumbles forward and falls down and almost rips one of his Titan's legs off. Yep, which did kill my Titan, but it didn't have a catalyst. No, no, the, the, the Titan died by uh, me shooting on my other Reaver right That was it. Yeah, your other yeah. Reaver across the board was like, huh, that thing is really hurt and has no shields. <laughs> Pop. <laughs> Just going to shoot all my turbo lasers at it, I guess. Yep, and then he died. Didn't do another explosion, <laughs> but he did do the fun thing where he just shut down and became a piece yeah. of terrain until he got shot. So. <laughs> which blocked which my line of sight. Did save my Warhound, yeah. So. Yeah, it did. Yeah, so it's, it's a frustrating. really fun game. Really, the, the board can evolve very quickly, especially if you yeah, actually get some good kills right off the bat. Um, it's just really interesting. I'm very excited to get Warlords in there and Nemesis, Nemesis Titans and... It Learn, uh, learn our Legio rules, learn the advanced rules, and really get down to it. And unlike uh, 40k, it's very, very hard to just alpha strike and remove something on your first turn. Yeah, no, it really feels like unless you do something really stupid right off the bat, you have a chance pretty much the entire time. Mm-hmm. And alternating activations help that a lot. I wish 40, uh, hot take, I wish 40k would go to alternating activations. Uh, I think it would make it a far better game lukewarm take because i agree that that, that that's what'll save 40k at this point because as much as i well, like I don't, I don't think 40k is in danger of dying i think it's just uh, well no not where we, we no, have no. stepped away from it more. i'm definitely not like a sky is falling kind of person when it comes yeah. to 40k i think the core rules of ninth edition are the best 40k has ever been but stratagems and extra shit on the side are kind of starting to strangle it a little bit because it is really, unless you're playing nothing but 40k and nothing but 40k consistently, it's really hard to keep track of everybody else's stratagems and your stratagems and what's best. And it's just, it gets frustrating, especially as someone who mostly plays AOS and now specialist games, who then occasionally goes into 40k. Because it really takes a while for me to go, fuck, what does my army do again? What is his stratagem again? What are you doing? Is this right? Can I read your rules? Shit. So, I don't know. It's... 
uh, I'm to the point where I kind of want 10th edition to hurry up and get here so they can get rid of some of these damn stratagems. Yeah, and then uh, the only other games we played, we played uh, a game of Kill Team, because naturally in the Rand, or not Kill Team, geez, Necromunda. I was about to say. Because on our last episode, we talked about, um, be like, man, I wonder if we can find a Necromunda group. I was like, I think Phil was talking about it two days after we recorded that. Phil's like, hey, you guys want to join a Necromunda group? And we're like, yes, we do. <laughs> it was uh, so, Divine Providence. The, the God was. Emperor has answered our prayers. Yeah, so we're uh, we're in a group with Phil and Matt and a couple other guys. Um Tim and Jeff. What, like seven people total? Yeah, six or seven people. So we got a couple of games in. Andrew and I have each played two of our games. Uh And of course, our first random game, why wouldn't it have been against one another? Because it's us, and that's what we do. And And it was a slap fight. It was a dead tie, because that's what we do. (laughs) (laughs) It was was like an hour and a half, or no, it was like a two and a half hour slap It was the longest game of Necromunda I've ever heard of. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Because neither of our gangs would bottle, which is, as we've said in our previous games, when you bottle out, your gang goes, oh shit, everything is fucked, and you try and run away uh, and save some of your crew. None of our gangs would do that, and just no. from what what the objectives were, we didn't want to bottle because we were trying to kill each other's fighters, but nobody would go down and die. We kept rolling flesh wounds and serious injured, so nobody would actually stay dead. It was and just we finally serious injured. We couldn't get close enough to coup de grom, so they just rolled back and forth on the ground for like five turns. It was insane, but I did get to do some of my fun redemptionist stuff, so right off you the did, bat, <laughs> I, I took the path of the doomed, which is actually pretty appropriate because we are playing a, a Dark Uprising campaign, which for those of you that don't know is uh, one of the hive cities on Necromunda succumbs to cultists of corn, which is where the uh, uh, corpse, grinders. corpse grinders. I wanted to say flesh terrors, but that's a allegedly <laughs> loyal legion of space marines. <laughs> um, that's where the corpse it's grinders loyal. come from. Wink, 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 nudge, nudge. Totally not chaos. Um, that's where they took over, and they just had to cut that hive off and let it die, essentially. So I took the path of the doomed because they're like, well, we're gonna get cut into meat anyway. Might as well take them with us. <laughs> and so right off the bat, the first things we had, I had, uh, I took my Devout Masses special rule, which for those of you that don't don't know, if you have a Cawdor Brethren, which is just their basic gang member, you just get another one for free with, like, their basic guns. So, you know, a knife and a stub gun, nothing special. Uh, and I t- had Bone Pickers, which are the Juves, and you get D3 extra Juves because Cawdor across the board are dog shit, and the only way they could have a chance of winning ever is through numbers and prayers. So I have Faith Dice kind of like the uh, Sisters of Battle system. Mm-hmm. And so I was rolling. I was on fire with my prayers this entire match. I was getting five or six dice yeah, every single round. Ridiculous. It was fantastic. Uh, and so second round, as soon as I was able to do my faith dice, uh, I had one of my free bone pickers who are, you know, cheapo who gives a shit juves. He just charges forward and blows himself up for strength three damage one attack to uh, take down or to pin your, your leader and your what yeah. was it, your, your death maiden. And uh, yeah, my, uh, my leader and my, one of the champions. Yeah. But that was okay because in response, one of my tiny little cats jumped on his eviscerator dude's face and seriously injured him. Yeah, my one guy where I'm like, <laughs> I want to get my flamethrower chainsaw guy in to do something memorable and cool. So, of course, he falls down and gets killed by a house cat. <laughs> hey, man, it's an angry house cat. Yeah, it's like a bobcat that was sort of domesticated <laughs> right? and pumped full of all kinds of horrible stimulants. And it was green. I think the green one. I think Clack killed you, not Click. <laughs> click is orange, clack is green. Yeah, that's right. My cat's names are Click and Clack on there. Yeah. And all of my gangers are roller derby slash fucking 
musician name puns. Whereas all of mine, uh, my gang is the Disciples of the Refuse Pyre. For those of you that don't know words, Refuse Pyre literally means trash fire. And then uh, every single ganger is brother some other language's version of garbage fire. And so I just ran garbage fire through Google Translate and tried every language I could that came up with fun sounding words. So every single person in my gang is brother garbage fire. <laughs> yeah, my uh, my gang is the Brawly Pop Guild. And we've got like uh, Pat Beniscar, there's Betty Fight, uh, there's Ann and Nancy Kilson. Well, now there's just Ann Kilson, because Nancy Kilson got fucking murdered by a Goliath with a shotgun. <laughs> That was brutal. Yeah, so far so, I, I've uh, only played against Escher gangs. I played against your Eshers and Phil's Eshers. Oh god, Eschers. you have, haven't you? So uh, we'll see what happens tomorrow when we meet up to play again. Maybe I'll get to play against something other than ladies with shock whips. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, then my only game that wasn't against Andrew was against uh, Jeff's Goliaths. And Eshers are known for being super fast and agile. And like, I started on a platform. I was like, cool, it's like a two-inch jump down. I've got two ups and three ups to jump off of it and just keep running. And I'm just going to smoke him. So out of my seven-person and two-cat gang, I failed six two- or three-up rolls on ones. And one of the cats also fell when it tried to jump off this. Uh, so Jeff's Goliaths were able to get into position. His uh, stemmed out what is it, a stem slugger or whatever, did a load of cocaine or meth or fucking bat salts, ran up with eight attacks and murdered both of my cats and punched my uh, my poor wild child backwards. Uh, and the, she was just like, nope, pop some... Um, what was the weird Russian the, drug? Cro crocodile or whatever? Nuke? Oh no, Nuke's Robocop. Nuke's Robocop. <laughs> Nuke's Robocop. He, he popped some Nuke, yeah. He popped some Nuke. And so my uh, my wild child got knocked down, stood up, immediately popped the... Um, I had a free Kim because I was Escher and that was my tactic card. So I popped the one that uh, gives me plus two inch movement but minus one to hit. And then I heard next activation, she noped the fuck on out about 16 inches away from him. Hmm. And he was just like, no, my toys! Because uh, if he would have touched anything else, they would have died. Oh, yeah. And then uh, Ann and Nancy Kilson were on top trying to give cover fire with hotshot las guns. And Nancy took a max range shotgun shot right to the fucking face. Uh, got seriously injured, failed her initiative check, and then fell off the tower and died. <laughs> that is a, <laughs> so, that's a good necromunda death. It was really cool. Just shotgun in the face with a slug. It, it was like 18 inches away. It was like right at whatever the max range of that gun was. They rolled a six to hit, a six to wound. I was like, yeah, it kind of makes sense. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, I got all this gang to one side, and my goal was to get off of the table. And I had four gangers and my champion all were on my next turn. They were going to get off the table. I rolled a fucking six for bottle. I was like, all right, that's cool. My leader's got her aura. She has a five up cool. Snake eyes. She runs away. I'm like, fuck, all right. My champion here with her like seven cool. I rolled like a four. Four of my five gangers all fucking ran away that were on that edge. I was like, are you kidding me? If, if two of them would have gotten off the edge, I would have won. That's, uh... Yeah, it was bad. That's dice like ice, baby. As, that is, I don't know, is there some, that's dice like absolute fucking zero. Like ice. <laughs> dice like three Kelvins. <laughs> what we, about uh, what about your game that wasn't against me with Phil? How'd that go? Our dice are as cold as space. Um, <laughs> my game against Phil went very well. Uh, Cawdor are brutal right off the bat because, oh, shit, again, it doesn't matter if I have good weapons or not because I just I get bodies without having to pay for them, which is uh, ridiculous, and I love it. So... 
uh, on the second match of the first week of a Necromunda campaign, I had 15 guys on the board against yeah, Phil's... What? Phil. Phil bottled on turn two. Yeah, he had. Like, at the, sorry, he bottled at the bottom of one. Yeah, because uh, I forget exactly what the mission type was, but essentially all it was was uh, he. Uh, uh, hit and run. Hit and run, yeah. So I was trying to kill as many of his dudes as I could before they escaped. Um, which I only ended up killing one, which happily was his leader. Um, yeah, she was fine, though. She didn't even get grievously injured. Yeah, she, she just got knocked into recovery, but I, I, I still technically took her out, so I got the credits yeah. for it and everything. But uh, so it was just, we had some really nice MDF terrain, which speaking of, we didn't talk about this yet. Uh, Phil went ahead and made a fucking beautiful Necromunda board. It is amazing we will try to remember to post pictures of it up on the instagram uh dice like Eyes podcast um and they're just fantastic i i haven't actually he, gotten to play he's on always it yet. made amazing terrain it's like back in the day in our in our younger more uh more active years we played mordheim and he had built a huge mordheim city that we used to play on in his basement it's my God, man, that man can do terrain like nobody I've ever seen. Yeah, it's a it's a really good mix of like GW official terrain and like scratch built stuff. He has like yeah, LED foam core. Foam core. He has like LED signs up on his uh, his like restaurants and stuff. He has a uh, part where the the floor got rent in half, and there's like toxic sewage underneath it. It's it's awesome. We'll take some in depth pictures tomorrow when we yeah. play again. But uh, it's it's a really good map, and I haven't gotten to play on it yet because it's always in use. So in my game, well, I played... maybe you shouldn't have shown up late last week. Andrew. I'm sorry I had to eat dinner and my glasses well, exploded. Eat, eat all the extra, your glasses did explode. Yeah, so I had horrible, stupid duct tape glasses the entire time and they kept falling off my face. Anyway, I got to play on some honestly pretty good MDF terrain. Um, Promethean Forge. Promethean Forge, the, yes. Uh, very, yeah, very they make solid. Great MDF. Good enough that I think I might actually pick some up eventually. Uh, I've got some sitting right behind me. Yeah, great. Uh, it's it's really good. We it went together a lot more quickly than we expected to because mm. we were waiting around to see if the really good board would become available, but it was taking a little bit for you. Read, read that as see how quickly Tony loses a game. Well, it was going so fast. You're like, God, I'm going to lose this. And we're like, Well, we'll give him ten minutes, see how it goes. <laughs> and uh, ten minutes later, then, you were still rolling yeah. dice. So. Yeah, and then four minutes after that, I was tabled. Yeah, well, we'd already built the terrain by that point. So we played on this honestly very good MDF terrain. It just wasn't quite as detailed and amazing. Um, I, But, yeah, it was it a was, uh, pretty brutal match right off the bat. We I had him completely surrounded. My, uh, uh, what is he? The Cawdor champion. What is, he's not a deacon because that's redemptionist. No. The guy who gets the crossbow. Um, yeah, he, I think he's just a... Oh, I don't know. I, I played him before it was Book of Faith, so I don't know what they're called now. That's fair. Uh, my Cawdor champion, he had a crossbow, and he shot a frag grenade. He was able to pin, like, four of his gangers with that. Yeah. Didn't, didn't hurt anybody, but it kept him down, kept him from running away. The, uh, the leader with her shock whip charged forward, and... <laughs> I had just bought a ganger and I just gave him a blunder pull and I'm like, all right, oh, bud, get in there. You're going to do great. Immediately gets killed. Rolls double sixes on his, his injury dice. So he's just dead. Oh, glorious. That's right. He got like ripped in half by a whip. Yeah. Glorious, brutal death. She got bonus reputation for it because it was such a ridiculous death. And then my juve with an eviscerator sees the leader. And he's just like, all right, let's do this. And he fucking runs forward and just cuts her in half with a 
chainsaw. It doesn't actually cut her in half because we rolled for <laughs> he, it. He knocks her unconscious. Yeah, with somehow a somehow was able to just put <laughs> he her into recovery. Turn it on and just swung it. Yeah, put her in recovery with a chainsaw. Uh, the fun thing about the chainsaw is it has bonus rules to where when you roll wounding dice instead of dealing with flesh wounds and serious injuries and shit, it just goes straight to out of action. So she was just off the board as soon as she got hit. Yeah, that's a um, really good weapon. It was awesome. And then uh, my leader and all my blunderpole mooks charge forward and just set everybody on fire, and it was awesome. Uh, and since we're playing in Dark Uprising, we don't actually have access to the trading post. You can only buy stuff from your starting guild or your starting uh, gang's Gang. roster. Uh, and so I was able to get blunderpoles, and I think that might... If it doesn't win me the campaign, it's going to be the bane of everybody's fun for the rest of it, for sure. Yeah, because nobody can get hazard suits except for the Gene Stealer Colt. Yep. And maybe Vansar. Yep. And I guess if you play Cawdor, you can get the uh, Incombustible Hoberk and a few other things that'll at yeah. least mitigate your damage. So uh, I'm going to. Or get... you can just shoot them in the face with the last gun at range. Yeah, yeah. Or just shoot them because they're weak as hell. Just don't get close. Yeah. <laughs> and my ballistic oh. skill is pretty shit. But. Yeah, uh, it is. Anyway, I took out the leader. Uh, Phil willingly bottled. His champion was able to actually take on two of my brethren and one bone picker on her own. Like, yeah, I, she was just chomping people. These are my pistol. these were my freebie guys, so they did only have stub guns yeah. and knives. But th th I missed everything. I completely whiffed every shot, every stab, and she just was just kind of looking at them and just knocking them down, pinning everybody, knocking them out. Yeah, serious what, the, injuries. The, the two of them, she. She put her stub pistol in the gut of one and seriously injured him, and then out of action the other with a plasma pistol with her second shot. No, I just seriously injured. I uh, she, or no, she one did. One of them got out of action. It yeah, was out of action, action yeah, pistol, because yeah. but it was one of my freebies, so I didn't even count it. Yeah. Uh, and then the so other guy weird. who was standing behind them just went nope, and he just ran nope, as far as he could, ran. failed his cool check, uh, and then he willingly bottled and just got out of there. So there was pretty minimal casualties only one death on my end which was kind of a bummer but yeah no it's called uh, or so got, you got some credits out of it i so. got i got some good credits out of it i got a book of redemption for my leader so everybody within six inches of him can re-roll charges and ones to hit which is going to be real fun tomorrow it's pretty good so it's a it's a good time i'm definitely enjoying playing necromunda properly for the first time yeah oh all right so after after a really long uh games played and hobby segment I uh, want to kind of roll into what we wanted to talk about. It's not going to be a super long segment here, but wanted to talk a little bit, because, you know, we're playing a lot more games. People are getting a little bit more out and about, and now the virus is hitting again, so we'll see. But conventions are happening again. Hopefully they'll still be happening when Nova rolls around. Hopefully. I know we would like to go to Nova, so listeners, if we still exist and the planet's not a smoldering husk, come find us in Nova. We'll give you a sticker. Yep. We were thinking uh, Adepticon, but it's looking a little dicey if that's it's even going to happen. And uh, also, just for both of us, it's not really going to pan out this year anyway, so. Yeah. That's all right. I'd rather use my money and go to Nova. Nova. I'd rather go to D.C. than Chicago. Chicago. Get us a deep Chicago. dish. Chicago. You guys want some pizza? I don't want to freeze my ass off as bad. Though. Yeah, that's fair. Just, I'd rather be muggy and hot in Virginia. Oh, God, that is going to be miserable. Still be cooler than it will be here. Yeah, Labor Day weekend. Oh, it's, yeah. that's going to be... I would rather spend Labor Day weekend 600 miles north of where we are right now. That's fair. It's only going to be kind of miserable <laughs> as opposed to actual yeah. hell. Uh, so we want to talk a little bit about storage and transport solutions. So between the two of us, we've been in the hobby for a decent amount of time, and we've used kind of a little bit of everything to transport. Uh, you know, you've got your normal GW Citadel cases, there's KR and their blue foam, 
There's the old school way of pistol cases. I've seen Tupperware with bubble wrap in it, boxes with like tissue paper. You've got your magnetic cases. You've got the old Sable Army transports, battle foam cases, table war cases, A cases, Magna racks, all, all kinds of stuff. So, Andrew, what kind of cases have you used? Uh, do we want to go through like our timeline history of it or just what we're currently no, no, like, using? Uh, yeah, what what you're currently using? What what right now? Because if you're using it, you you are showing it as this is the most applicable and best solution I have for this. Okay. Um. Well, my current fucking main toolbox. What? Fucking toolbox. Oh. Well, Tony makes fun of me. I have some models that are I too do. big for your standard case, and so I do legitimately use a toolbox for a few things. Mostly, my son's a Bayamot. But I don't just throw them in a toolbox. There's there's lots of foam packed around them. I'm very delicate about it. Uh, and some of my larger stuff, like my um, my buggies for my orcs, they don't really fit in any case very well, so I do use a toolbox for them. Uh, my trolls for, for Age of Sigmar, they're a little too big. They're just kind of... They don't even get a fucking toolbox. Yeah, they do. Well... I thought, no, you jam them in a pouch! And again, I don't put them in a pouch, no. I surround them with foam. So, my main my main thing is I have a, uh, a pack case from Battle Foam. It's, it's essentially a big fucking cube that has uh, two big trays for most of your minis. It's enough to fit a very standard-sized 2,000-ish point army. Um... I can pretty much fit about two-thirds of my Gloomspike Gets army in there, which is a lot. Uh, and then the bottom tray has um, cut-your-own foam, so you can you know pull it out and fit it as necessary. I essentially ended up yanking all the foam out apart from the edges, and then I just stuff that foam around larger models yeah. and then stick uh, smaller stuff in the actual uh, like grid pattern that uh, the other two trays are. And it works out pretty well. Um, I can comfortably fit one gargant in the back, a mega gargant in the back of it, and then shitloads of goblins or orcs or you know whatever is currently getting played. So that's that's my main one. It's the 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 pack case. I forget it's pack four or something like that. Uh, it's the seven twenty, isn't it? I don't know. I can run to the other room if you want to edit this out real quick. No, I'm pretty sure it's the pack seven twenty because it's the backpack. Yeah, it's a big backpack. It's got yeah, uh, it's got really good pockets on the sides for mm -hmm. tape measures, uh, water bottle, super glue is mainly what I have it for. A uh, really big pocket on the back that's enough to fit uh, all of my dice, all of my measuring stuff because I have a lot of uh, like template size things that I use for just like six inches, three inches, two inches, etc. Uh, a pouch on the back uh, between the straps to put on your back that keeps. Uh, it's enough room for a rule book and a, a codex or a battle tome. So that way it gets real sweaty on the paper. Yeah, I tend to use the uh, the nice handle on the top to carry it once it gets a little muggy down here in the south. Uh, so like eleven months of the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. It was seventy degrees this afternoon. Yeah, seventy degrees. It is January twenty fifth, and it was seventy degrees outside. It snowed three days ago. Cause fuck it. But climate change isn't real. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, so yeah, that's my mainstay case. I did actually just get another small battle foam case. Uh, it's like a skirmish size case. I thought it was going to be big enough to carry Titanicus stuff, but it's really not. It's but it is perfect for uh, kill team. It's perfect for Necromunda. It's perfect for Warcry. Just like mm. smaller skirmish based games. Yeah, um, Blood, Blood Bowl. Games. It's not big enough to carry a book, which is un unfortunate because I thought it was going to be about backpack size, like your GW uh, tote thing that you have. Um, yeah, 
But uh, I just my specialist gaming pouch. Exactly. But I, with this bag, I, I have foam so I can make sure everything survives a trip. And I'm just going <laughs> to essentially throw it in a tote bag with my books, and I'm good to go. So uh, that's my current. Is it the is it the rectangular foam or pluck foam, or is it like the zigzag foam GW has? Rectangular foam. Yeah. Okay. Um, I also have some of the uh, mid two thousands, late or early two thousands old like clamshell GW cases that look like they're, they're like briefcases full of foam essentially. Uh, yeah, they're they're functionally GW branded pistol cases. Yeah, exactly. I have three of those. Uh, one is pretty much dedicated for uh, Dungeons and Dragons minis. That's that's all I use it mm-hmm. for. Uh, and then I have two other ones that I use. Uh, one of them is pretty much entirely dedicated to goblins for my gits and my hobgoblins for my cruel boys now. And then the other one I just have as a backup for just whatever I need it for. It tends to be orcs or whatever, depending on what game I'm playing. Um, in the past, uh, when I first started out, I did do the uh, ye old cardboard box stuff with newspaper, yeah. which, uh, you know... That seems to be the, the, the standby before you actually really get into your hobby storage game. Yeah, starting out, that's like, I don't think there's anything wrong with that starting out. As long as I really don't. Yeah, as long as you pack delicately and you're not just throwing yeah. your stuff around, it works totally fine. Just don't drop it. And now it's it's not going to work for every army. No, your really spindly, frail armies like your Nighthaunt. Eldar, your Dark Eldar, your Nighthaunt stuff like that is never going to last in it. But if you got fucking Primaris Marines or like Orc boys and shit. I've seen that shit carried in literal Kroger bags. Oh, yeah. Like, not like pack, like literally, like the dude would just pop the bag open and just scoop it in at the end of the table like he was on fucking supermarket sweep. Yep. I've seen orcs and tyranids go in Ziploc bags before with no foam, no newspaper. And yep. it's just, they're in the bag, you throw them in the back of the truck, hope they don't break. But you know what? They're your mom. Exactly. Do what you do with them what you will. Uh, speaking of Night Haunt, this was a different solution I had back when I had that army. I got uh, flat totes, which were like. I don't know, four inches tall oh, yeah. or something. Uh, I put magnets on the base of all of them, and I put them on cookie sheets or baking sheets, like rimmed baking sheets. Um, mm-hmm. And that was totally fine uh, because those models yeah. are so spindly and frail that it's really hard to get them out of pluck foam without like bits of their uh, their cloaks breaking off or honestly them just snapping off their stands. So if you have a night haunt army, army night haunt army I'm from Boston, all night of a sudden, army. Uh, put this oh, whole. I thought you were going with your Arnold. <laughs> put this whole fucking. T- down in my rear view. Ah. Uh, anyway, uh, if you have a Night Haunt army, um, magnet cases are probably the way to go with them. It uh, honestly felt like the safest way to transport them without just something snapping every single time you move them. Yeah, so, so it's safe to say you generally lean heavier into the foam cap. Yes, for most of my yeah. armies, they're, they're hard-wearing enough that I can pretty easily pull them out of pluck foam without anything snapping off. And if it does, it's nothing that can't be fixed without super glue easily. Yeah. See, I, I tend to go the opposite. I tend to run magnetic cases. I've run all of the foam in the back. Uh, I've had a little KR case before. Like, don't get me wrong. Their soft blue foam is great. I don't really like their cardboard boxes on the outside. They get kind of like dingy looking pretty easy when they're sitting around in hobby shops and stuff because they're a white cardboard. Though they have some brown cardboard, which, which aren't as bad. Uh, I've run the pistol cases. I've run the GW clam cases. I've run the uh, the double wide GWs that are like two hundred cases stuck together that look like you put a rifle in it. Um, for a long time, I ran the Sable Army transport cases. They're motor pool and platoon cases, which are uh, it's the foam and it kind of stacks and it opens up at the top. Have you ever used those, Andrew? Or no? I have not. Also, before I forget, okay. I did actually use yeah. pistol cases for a bit. I had them for my death. I, I, I had them for my Death Guard army, and they were pretty yeah. much exclusively for the plague plague burst crawlers. 
Yeah, pretty much if you lived in the South, pistol cases are pretty easy to come by. The dual pistol cases, just, uh, they're like uh, 12 bucks. Yeah, you go buy Academy Goods and you can get them for $15 or so. Yeah, they're, they're cheap and they're a great way to do it. Uh, one of the guys in the old group I had, got uh, he, he lived on campus and was walking to the hobby shop on Baxter Street. And uh, two cops stopped him and asked him why he was walking down uh, campus with two pistol cases in his hand. He's like... It's 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 models. It's, They're models. Excuse me, officer. It's full of nerd shit. Would you like to see? Yeah. Would you like to see my space marines, officer? So his his option after that that he started to do was we learned that the big to go bags from Outback Steakhouse would fit the pistol cases in it. So he would just be walking down the street carrying two comically large Outback Steakhouse <laughs> bags. What you got there, boy? Oh, uh, which I I got, feel like that my... would have raised a lot more like. What's he doing? The two pistol cases, but what do I know? <laughs> Nothing going on here, officer. Just smuggling <laughs> some blooming onions down the street. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but the Sable Army cases, they were kind of like the predecessors to Battle Foam. Um, they were all either Pluck Foam or just your, your basic rectangle sizes. Battle Foam does the really cool thing where you can literally, like, customize the tray exactly. Like, it's got all the little, like, for lack of a better term, stamps of all the like different types of models and you can have the tray and put it in yeah. there and they'll laser cut that pattern out for you. It's not cheap, but if you want to talk like bougie army case, that's it. Well, they will do. Cause then you don't have the, the edges of the foam that catch things as well. Yeah. Like and a lot games. of them, they, when there's a big release game, they'll just go ahead and have that, that foam ready to go. Like when uh, the new kill team, yeah, came like out. a super generic set of it. Yeah. Well, they have one that was specifically made for like the new kill team that came out where it could fit yeah. the orcs and the, and the Kriegers. I bought one from battle foam. That was uh, cursed city. So I could like, I, yeah. I could actually have my minis in the box without them breaking. Yeah. Cause it, th yeah, that was a cool part. So I am, I have become a very big proponent of battle foam recently. Um, their products are fantastic. They are on the pricier end of things, but they do like four big sales a year. They can save you a large amount. Yeah. Uh, my mainstay cases, I run three mainstay things. Uh, if I'm going to the shop and I'm going to do pickup games or like do a couple of games in different game systems, I'm carrying my, uh, you've heard me talk about it on my, on the podcast earlier, my like XL 1520. It's, it's like a mini fridge, and I get the magnet style. So all of my bases, almost all my bases, I'm working my way through magnetizing all of my miniatures, which, sweet baby Jesus, that's a lot of magnets and super glue. I didn't realize how much stuff I regularly used. So all of that I've been magnetizing, and I can just swap trays in and out of it, and it's great. It has, like, um, the, the, the tactical molly webbing on the side, so you can hook other pouches to it for stuff. Um... But yeah, and then the other one I use a lot is for smaller games, or if I'm just going to the shop for like specialist games, Titanicus, Necromunda, things like that, I'll use an A case. I have one of the the original A cases from the Kickstarter, but they've got newer ones. They're much smaller. They hold. You can get a two thousand point army in there, depending on what type of army it is, um, and it's magnetic trays that slide in and out as well. The older generation ones are entirely metal, so you can put more stuff in them by hooking to the sides, but they don't line up as well. The newer ones are a plastic frame that is, like, precise on where everything goes on them. And then the other main case that I use is kind of a weird one. It is, um, from Target, you can get these stackable containers that latch on the side, and... They can hold, I believe it's seven Lehman Rust tanks in each one. Huh. So for my big ass who plays Armored Company a lot, they're fantastic for tanks. 
Yeah, I was actually considering picking some of those up for just around the they're, house storage. Because they're great. Uh, they are great. Uh, currently, uh, I do eventually want to get some good like glassed-in cabinets to display my models mm -hmm. when I'm not planning on using them anytime soon. But yeah. uh, there's very few cheap options other than IKEA, and IKEA is a bit of a drive, unfortunately. Um, yeah. Uh, and their shipping is ludicrous. It's like a hundred bucks. It for, is. It's yeah. insane. So we need to make an IKEA trip to get some of the uh, the debt laughs. I, I was the debt laughs. Yeah. Uh, Danielle and I head out there every now and then when we both got a same day off, which is rare now. But yeah, um, if you ever want me to grab you when we're out that way, let me know. Yeah, let me know if you do that again because I need to get some yeah, of those. We'll but uh, they're great. Uh, they're they're better if you get the other glass cut and some of the the, the uh, what company is there's a company that makes um an adapter for them specifically for miniature gamers yeah. that you can add like four more shelves. Yeah, no, I've, I've definitely, you, you don't need like two foot tall. Shelves. I've gone ahead and, and bookmarked all of those sites. I'm ready to go. I just need to get those Excellent. cabinets. But, uh, as of right now for most of the models, I have them just like, you've seen it before when you come over to play yeah. Titanic I just have them all arrayed on bookshelves because it's cool. And I have a room dedicated to this stuff in my two bedroom apartment. So <laughs> yeah, all of my stuff is because I have I have very limited space right now. All of my stuff is in cases or foam or those target cases and except for like projects I'm working on. And it's just it's on one of those like um plastic shelves you get from like Home Depot. And I've got well, let's see, sitting next to me I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine uh mix of the GW clamshells and the pistol cases and two of the the double GW cases plus my battle foam case and my army transport like it's all just stacked right here and I just have to kind of like hot swap whatever I'm going to use for that day. Yeah, that tends to be what I do since I, I have most of my models on display on top of my bookshelves, which they're pretty low slung bookshelves. They only come up to like, you know, yeah. mid mid thigh. Um, yeah. Whenever I'm ready to play something, I will take them from the bookcase and put it into my limited amount of uh, uh, mobile storage cases. So I. Uh, that, that's why I think you should go with the, the Battle Foam XL case like I've got, because those trays, those metal trays, they look nice enough where you could just have them sitting on that shelf and then just grab that tray and pop it into the case. Yeah, I'm definitely considering like, storage options like that. Bump my mic. Yeah, um, when it comes to setting up an army and packing down an army and like it, magnets are the way to go. Yeah, like foam's great and all, but magnets are just far superior to speed and ease of access. Well, I was or for a if while. you run the foam. For a while, I was considering KR cases just to have like a stack of cardboard boxes, essentially. Yeah. Uh, but I really, I really don't love the cardboard. Like the foam is good from what I hear, yeah. but I just, I don't like the idea of just a cardboard box to put my minis in. I like having, <clears throat> at the very least, like uh, I don't know, canvas or I think, yeah. I think my big, my big uh, pack box from from Battle Foam is legitimately made out of Kevlar. So. <laughs> Yeah, it, it feels like Yeah, it. so, like, there's... Uh, that's how mine is, th too. There's tougher options than cardboard. Although now, I do know... KR does have bags and backpacks. Yeah, and I do know of people who swear by the KR storage system. They, yeah. they, they say the cardboard is amazing if you, you know, get the right foam for your mini. So, uh, you know, I, yeah. I haven't used it. I can't judge them. It just, from initial glance, KR seems like an interesting choice. So, KR tends to be the, like air travelers choice for warhammer and stuff like that because their boxes and their bags are designed specifically for those requirements yeah like their uh, i want to say it's like their kr4 don't quote me on that pack is specifically designed to be exactly the size of carry-on luggage i mean yeah that's so like, that's pretty perfect yeah 
And like battle foam stuff isn't battle foam's like this will fit this shit and it's what it does. It's great in a car. Oh my god! Yeah, but, if, I would have to. Yeah. I would have to check my battle foam bag. It is, it yeah, is ditto. twice the size of any overhead bin I have ever seen on a plane. <laughs> yeah, I mean you've seen mine. My big ass could probably squeeze into my case if I got a little more flex. Yeah, no, like it's uh, it. It almost would be cheaper to do buy a seat for your case <laughs> if you're flying with one of those battle foams. As many minis, uh, many minis, as many minis go into my big fucking case. I would buy a seat for Yeah, it. you you don't want some minimum wage guy throwing your case around. Chucking them. Magnets are not, man. Yeah, no, they uh they don't care enough about miniatures. And if you nah. don't care enough to prop them, uh, package them properly before a long flight, then that's on you. Yeah, so those are the storage solutions that Andrew and I generally use. Uh, I think we can both say our go-to is Battle Foam. It's, they're very high quality for the price, especially Extremely if you can get them on sale. Quality, yeah. So I, if you have a little bit of cash to spare for storage, I would at least recommend looking through their site. And it is more navigable than some sites. I've tried to do KRs, and yeah. their site looks like it was made from the late 90s. So. So the thing about KR is it's just their base site. Reach out to the to them, and you go back and forth through an email chain to get it set up. Oof. At least you used to. Oof. Well, so that that sounds really bad, but it makes sure you get exactly what you want, and everything will fit like it will. I mean, that's fair, but yeah. Because like when I when I ordered my battle foam case, I was like, I'm pretty sure I'm getting the pouches and stuff that's going to fit this, and the extra set of trays are the ones that go in this and not in the other one. I will say Battle Foam does have a very long shipping time because I did just buy that little that little skirmish case from them uh, mid December and I just got it last week. So like like so the 18th. Their or shipping something. times are very massively adjusted when they do sales. Yes. You're and, and a lot of their stuff is like assembled right there to order. Yeah, no, that's very fair. They so, they don't they don't keep warehouses full of shit like some companies do. Yeah, they don't. Like, uh, and then you also have like your table war tower cases and stuff, which if you're on the West coast, you can get, you have a lot easier access to those from what I understand. You very rarely see them out here. I know they're kind of big in the Bay area, uh, but they're fantastic as well. They're like a cases or the battle foam magnet cases. And they have a bunch of little like inserts for paints and things like that. You can put them as well. Really? Like I believe the, the table case is meant to, or tower case is meant to be like, you could load, a tray in it for like all your hobby stuff as well and carry it instead of your toolbox to work yeah i i recently upgraded toolboxes <laughs> really yeah i got i got a larger one because i got a tautronics uh or sorry tau technic tau tech oh. tautronics lamp yeah tautronics lamp. those things are the best yeah and i got that speaking of sales i got that fucker on sale because it's normally 50 bucks it was on sale i was able to use a coupon with shipping it was 19 dollars. what yeah. from where from tautronics from their website Oh shit! Okay. Yeah, I, uh, I don't remember exactly which model it was, but uh, it was it was whatever their fifty dollar like hobby lamp was. I got it for stupid cheap. That's pretty good. I, I got mine on Amazon for I think thirty six. Yeah, which is still a pretty good deal. It's a very solid lamp. Yeah. It has a bunch of different settings. You can adjust if you want blue light or warmer light. Got a light USB or, port. Got a USB it. port. Um, but yeah, I, I uh, upgraded toolboxes so I could fit that in whenever I uh, take it with to, with me to places that aren't my home. <laughs> yeah. So, Andrew, are there any transport solutions that, other than, like, you know, tossing your stuff in a bag, that you tend to avoid? Uh, that's the main one. And honestly, even even if you're chucking it in a bag, as long as you stuff, like, newspaper and foam around it well, as long as the miniature is supported, it's probably going to make it if you're not slamming it in the walls and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think there's really, truly a bad storage and carry option unless you're improperly handled. Yeah. Because, like, even, even, like the best battle foam or magnetic case if you 
fucking toss it around side to side. Something's getting jostled loose or broken. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's you're spending hundreds of dollars and you know, hundreds of hours painting and all that. You're, you're going to want to be a little bit delicate with your miniatures to begin with. Yeah. So most of the time, unless there's an accident, which does happen, unfortunately. It does happen. Uh, you're probably treating your minis okay. So, you know, if you're the kind of person who just chucks them in a Kroger bag, you don't really care about them anyway. So whatever. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to storage and transport, if you're a person, there's a couple of people in our gaming group that will, like, I do it with some of my stuff, but not much of it, is I'll leave some of my hobby stuff in the car because I do two or three game nights a week, and instead of unloading everything and reloading everything, I'll leave, you know, like my Necromunda gang or even my Battle Foam case lived in the car for a while. But if you do that kind of thing, be wary of what your case looks yes. like. If it looks like just, you know, like mine... The battle foam cases look like a big piece of luggage. Most people are going to kind of just ignore that. But if somebody's walking by your car and you've got one of those like old sable bags that look like a laptop bag or like a small KR bag that looks like an electronics backpack because of the pad or even a pistol case, or a pistol case, like be very mindful because that kind of stuff does get stolen. Unfortunately, it's just one of those things that happens. And most of the time, you'll never get it back because people will open it, and be like, "This is trash." And dump yep. it. They're they're looking for an easy payday at a pawn shop with a gun or a mm-hmm. laptop, and they got a bucket full yep. of models, they and they got gonna, yeah. no idea what to do with that. So. Yep, they'll they'll dumpster it. So if if something terrible does happen and your car gets broken into and your models get stolen, uh, what you should definitely do is look in all of the dumpsters or trash cans in that immediate area. And there's not a good chance, but there's a more of a chance that you'll find it that way. Yeah. Um, I don't, just keep like a plastic tarp or a blanket or something in your car if you're the mm-hmm. kind of person who leaves your minis in your car overnight. I frankly yeah. don't because I'm paranoid about that sort of thing. But uh, yeah. because I have had my car broken into before and my buddy's laptop has been stolen out of my car. So I, uh, I, I I have suffered at the end of that sort of thing before. So I leave nothing yeah. expensive in my car anymore. But uh, if you are yeah. the kind of person who does that, just have a blanket. Just, you know, a, a, a nice dark colored blanket. Throw it in over your models. And... Honestly, this time of year, you should have a blanket in your car. Yeah, because uh, you if your car breaks down, you, you might die otherwise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, stay prepared, guys. Seriously. Like, keep useful things in your car. Have At least have jumper cables and, like, a blanket and a couple of <laughs> bottles of water. Like something. <laughs> hey, you want to talk about mini storage solutions? Yeah, have jumper cables, kids. <laughs> <laughs> Look, man, the amount of times that I've come across somebody on like the side of the road, they're like, my car's dead or my tire's flattened. I don't have a jack. I'm like, how? You are a grown-ass adult. Yeah, no, that's fair. I have I have had I, to rescue friends who didn't have a jack yeah. in their car before, and it's just like, how did, how did your car not come with a jack? Yeah, seriously. This is a new-ish model. <laughs> did someone steal the jack from your car? <laughs> Yeah, it was in my mini case. Oh, God. <laughs> I use it to prop up my, my work table. <laughs> uh, but uh, kind of off, that was off topic a little Just bit. Just a little. But another thing about keeping minis in your car, if you're storing them, uh, be very careful about what the weather's like in the area as well. Yes. If it gets hot, stuff will warp. Stuff will melt. If you, yeah, stuff will melt. Resin specifically will get all bendly and warbly. Uh, case in point, I had to sit there with my Thunderbolt fighter and a hair dryer uh, for like 40 minutes one day because I put my stuff in the car and we went to go eat at Red Bull next door, which is the kick-ass Asian place next to our local hobby shop. I went over there to eat, and by the time I got back to my car, because it was August, both of the wings on my fighter were like droopy and flexible. Uh, but also, if you do magnets on the bottom of your bases, I use super glue. 
uh, a little sprue glue, I guess technically a little bit of sprue dust and some super glue. Uh, but I know a lot of people use hot glue. In the summer, that shit will yep, melt it, and make a giant mess. It will get hot every... again. <laughs> yes, yes, it will It will hot again. Uh, yeah, no, I definitely, when I did do magnets on my night haunts, I absolutely did super glue because I have heard horror yep. stories of the hot glue puddle. Yep. And there's nothing worse than, like, finally getting all of that work done and being like, I'm happy with these. And they're all level and everything. And then all that work is undone it's, and sitting in a car for an hour. It's worth half. paying the $10 for the super glue. Just just get, mm-hmm. get the good stuff. It'll stick. It'll hold up to most weather except for extreme cold. But if you're dealing with that, then yeah. you're probably not out playing games anyway unless you live in exactly. like Minnesota or something. Yeah, if uh, if you've got a Hobby Town USA local, I believe they're a national branch. Uh, what I've used for all of mine is the, it's like this weird, pinkish reddish bottle. It's like six dollars for a bottle. The extra thick Maxi Cure uh, works great. Whereas I, I score the bottom of the base, pop the glue on, pop the magnet on. That fucker won't come yep. off. Whereas I use uh, the Gorilla Glue Gel Super Glue, which gives mm-hmm. you about twenty seconds before it cures. And yeah. That's what this is, 15, 20 second Yeah, cure. so it gives you time to fumble a bit if you accidentally uh, don't get it perfect the exact first try. So uh, that's a good one overall. I've, I've had pretty solid results with just Gorilla Glue, Super Glue in general. Yeah. Don't use crazy don't glue. Don't use crazy glue. Crazy glue is for craft it, projects for elementary school. Nah, man. Crazy glue is for first aid kids. <laughs> that too. It, it will stick your skin <laughs> together, that's for sure. It will fix it right up. But uh, Oh, man. Yeah. So any, any yeah, other so storage uh, solutions worth mentioning, Tony? Uh, I think I think we kind of touched on all the big ones. We touched a little bit on some of the other ones, and there's other ones out there. There's a million different brands yeah. of storage and foam. I've I've seen people who use exclusively like the foam they got from their their flat screen TV, and they just pack that mm-hmm. around their minis. I mean, just whatever it takes just to get your minis comfortably to the store without breaking is fine. There are professional yeah. solutions if you want to pay a little money though. And for terrain storage, nothing beats a Rubbermaid tub. Yep, Rubbermaid tub. Half the time, you don't even bother with foam in those. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I've ever actually seen anyone carry their terrain in a Rubbermaid tub that had foam in it. Uh, as long as... It is just stacked. As long it. as you varnish your minis or your, your terrain well before you yeah. throw it in, it's pretty well okay. Yeah. I, I would probably personally stuff a little newspaper around it, but that's just me. And even then, that's really pretty minimal if you drop the case, so... I mean, if you want to get, like, real technical, you could use the uh, the spray foam. Oh, <laughs> That that would be well, you, you would, that'd be real intense. Uh, yeah, it would, but it would keep it super protected. I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> I would. I'm gonna do that, Andrew. Maybe one day I'm gonna make a miniature case that I just spray foam all of my models and then just sit there with a hobby knife, very gingerly cutting them all back out. Just have the exact perfect size uh, case container for. At that point, you might as well just buy the battle foam pre-cut. Ones. <laughs> I know. <laughs> they, I, know. I can almost guarantee you they have a black Templar box release foam case if you really wanted it. Yeah, but if you stop at that release case, you're a quitter. I mean, most of your minis, they just buy like two of those, and then eventually they'll have Sword Brethren and a Grimaldus and a, a Hellbrecht, and you're good to go. Yeah, but those aren't magnets, Andrew. You, those aren't you magnets. can put magnets in them. But what, then why would I buy the foam if I put magnets in them? I mean, for fun. If magnets are your only, <laughs> double down. if foam is your or magnets are your only requirement, I mean, you know. So what I'm hearing here is I need to put a little piece of metal on the bottom of all of those pieces of foam so they stick to the magnetic piece and the foam. Yeah, you just have like a foam like eggshell around all of your models on your your magnet case. 
There it is, kids. There's the perfect storage solution. We've discovered Magnetic it. Magnetic foam. And then you just stuff the rest of it with packing peanuts, and nothing can harm your miniatures then. Make sure it has a nice hard outer shell to prote protect the creamy nougat center. Creamy nougat center of fine GW plastic. Oh, there's our pull quote. <laughs> we did it, kids. <laughs> Start the clock. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that's uh, that's our lowdown on storage solutions. So yeah, if you guys have any other storage solutions you really like or any products we didn't talk about on here or any horror stories you have of stuff like that, reach out to our email at dicelikeicepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know. Yeah, by all means, evangelize or lambast whatever company that you've had experience with. If it's one we haven't had experience with, we might become a new customer. Ooh, somebody's got their word of the day calendar today. Yeah, I am I went to school. I paid for book learning. <laughs> oh, I thought you were just reading the Caldor book. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have read it twice already, but, you know. Oh, man. All right. Andrew, you got anything else? Um... Yeah, you know, happy 2022. We made it. Hopefully this next year is better we than the last. It. And, you know, we're just uh, doing an uphill slope from here, from the, the hell pit that was 2020. Yeah, seriously. No way to go, but uh, uh, We could have some peaks and valley fluctuations. We can, we can but, still go down. Yeah, we can still go down, but I think gradual trends are upwards. So, hey, 2022, year of the specialist game and year of hopefully everything getting a little bit better. <laughs> All right. Well, Andrew, uh, let's do our traditional give us a word of advice to leave on. Uh, don't be a fool. Wrap your mini. Don't. <laughs> it's not where I thought that was going. <laughs> you heard it here first, kids. Don't be a fool. Wrap your toolbox. <laughs> Close enough. Have a good, yeah, have a good night, everybody. Bye. Thank you once again for listening. You can always contact us at dicelikeicepodcast at gmail.com. Or find us on our Facebook or Instagram, also under Dice Like Ice Podcast. We would also like to give a big shout out to Scarlet Saturn for use of their music in our show. It's over. Go home.
Go.